Hey everybody, welcome to this podcast on servant leadership. This is from chapter 10, uh, North House's book, Leadership Theory and Practice, 7th edition. Uh, Servant leadership, uh, as we get into it here, is going to be a little different than some of the other theories we talk about. Um, It really has a different flavor to it, a different tone. When we think about leadership, particularly in business, um, kind of that servant model is not typically the model we think of first. Uh, This altruistic you know, the, the leader exists to serve his or her followers. It's kind of a different different model. So, um, so kind of work with me here and, and, and be prepared to think about leadership maybe from a little different perspective when it comes to this one. Uh, <clears throat> so servant leadership is paradoxical because you're providing service and by doing so, you're also having influence. And if you've read in the text, um, Northhouse talks about um, this, this story or this tale, I think it's based on a novel of... This, this group of people that go on a quest, a journey, trying to accomplish a mission um, year, many years ago. And um, they have someone go with them who kind of serves as their servant, who takes care of their, the, you know, all of their needs, right? I mean, maybe cooks and cleans and takes care of them and do, does all these things that they don't even really think about. Um, that This band of, of um, I think they're, I don't know if they're warriors or whatever, but, but they're, 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 um, they're experts, right? They're military, they're experts, and they've got this servant who's with them. And then when the servant ultimately, I don't know if the servant dies or, or goes away, what this, how the story goes, but when they lose that servant, you know, they fall apart and they're unable to complete their missions. And so in a sense, the servant really was the leader of that group. And without them, you know, you, you could not accomplish the mission. So based on kind of that uh, that mentality, this servant leadership theory kind of has developed. And, and it's the idea that, that really in order to, um, to lead, you have to first serve. And, you know, it, it also, you know, harkens back to things like in Christianity, you know, the, the, the model that a lot of Christians take with Jesus Christ as, you know, Lord, but also servant, right? This service component, uh, you know, washing the feet of the disciples or, or whatever. So it, it, there is this kind of, um, you know, it's not like this is the first time it's ever been broached that uh, that you could lead by through servitude, but it's not the common way we think about leadership, particularly in business. So anyway, um, a little bit about servant leadership. Most of the scholarship has been very prescriptive until recently. Um, in the past 10 years, they've started to clarify the concept a little more and its assumptions be a little more clear in some of the theory. Um, it does focus on leadership from the point of view of the leader and his or her behavior, so it is somewhat leader-focused. Um, servant leaders, you know, obviously put their followers first. Uh, Greenleaf was one of the first uh, theorists to really write about servant leadership, come up with this concept, and you can see if you're uh, looking at the slide deck or have read the text, you know, it, it talks about the definition of servant leadership. Begins with the natural feeling that one wants to serve, to serve first. This conscious choice brings one to aspire to lead. Um, Although servant leadership is sometimes treated like a trait, so, you know, servitude, uh, this desire to serve could be a trait that someone has, it's really viewed more uh, behaviorally, typically, and that's how we're going to talk about in this class, that anybody can learn the behaviors of servitude. Um, Let's see, it gives you a little bit of the history of servant leadership. Hopefully you kind of took some note on that when you were reading the chapter. Uh, so there's 10 characteristics of the servant leader from kind of this original servant leader theory. Uh, listening, empathy, healing, awareness, persuasion, conceptualization, and foresight. Just really briefly, uh, I'm sorry, and stewardship, commitment to the growth of people, and building community. So I'm going to go through um, quickly and talk about some of these different 
um, you know, what, what these different characteristics look like. So listening, obviously you want to acknowledge the viewpoint of your follower, validate their perspective. Empathy, getting in the shoes of your follower. So trying to see the world from their eyes and feel the world through them. So how would they emotionally feel um, about certain things? So you know, how, how do certain decisions that are made within the organization affect them? Not just um, in terms of, you know, financial gain or financial loss or time off or, you know, working for a certain person or having a certain task, but how does that make them feel, right? Healing, uh, which sounds, sounds a little weird, I know, for a, a leadership model, but helping followers become whole. Uh, servant leaders themselves are healed, so you're looking at what needs does someone have that are not being met and how can I help them meet their needs and, and heal from any um, injuries they have, you know, emotional or social uh, awareness, being kind of aware of your own environment, uh, being aware of the impact you're having on others, being socially aware. Uh, persuasion, obviously, um, you know, leading through change, but if you're taking the servant model, it's not autocratic. It's not like you're telling people you have to do it a certain way. You're, um, by serving them, you're garnering their respect, this kind of referent power we've talked about before, and through that, then you influence their, their behavior. Conceptualization, the ability to be visionary and think of the, the future of your followers. Foresight, again, kind of seeing what's coming in the future, what's likely to happen based on what's happened in the past. Stewardship is um, being responsible for resources, including people and uh, financial resources. Um, holding the organization in trust for the greater good of society, so looking out for the greater good of everyone. Commitment to the growth of people. So if you go back to like Maslow, if you remember some Maslow where Maslow says, you know, you want to self-actualize or be the best you you can be. Um, servant leaders are trying to allow their followers to grow and become the best, best them they can be. And then lastly, building community, allowing followers to identify with something greater themselves and something greater. Um, uh, they can contribute to something uh, larger than themselves that they value. So Greenleaf built this uh, theory about servant leadership. Um, and uh, servant leadership adopted um, has been adopted as a guiding philosophy in many organizations. Um, you know, AT and T long ago. Um, you know, one of their their founders um, or one of their uh, VPs adopted this uh, this leadership style and kind of promoted it. Um, so the key characteristics of servant leadership. I gave you the ten that Greenleaf suggests. There's a table ten point one that um, shows some of the different conceptualizations that have been used over the years. So there's not one set of characteristics that everybody's agreed on, but that's the one that's, you know, is a very commonly used. And all these other ones have kind of evolved from that original list of 10. So in the model of servant leadership, um, you know, you've got um, antecedents that occur, so things that lead to servant, leader be servant leadership behaviors, and then the outcomes that come from that, right? Because this is kind of a behavioral model, as I talked about. So, you know, what's going on in the context and the culture of the organization? What attributes does the leader um, possess? And how receptive is the follower to a servant model? One of the really cool things about servant leadership compared to some of the others is it takes into account the fact that, you know, not all followers are going to want a servant leader, right? I mean, some people may think that's really cool and they're like, yeah, you know, but some people don't want a servant leader. That's not what they're looking for. And so to the degree that a follower isn't really receptive to that model, you could be the best servant leader ever, but you're not going to have much impact if that's not what the followers are looking for. So at some level, 
what it's saying is if you adopt a servant leadership approach, you may or may not be effective for all audiences, or whether or not you choose to take a servant leadership approach may, deter- may be de- dependent upon the audience you're trying to lead, right? So it can definitely have a, a, a big role there. Um, the other antecedent conditions I mentioned, context and culture, you know, the organizational context, um, what type of organization is it, can sometimes dictate whether servant leadership is, is the best, most effective model. As you, kind of, as you can imagine, there's some industries and some um, contexts where servant leadership may not work as well as others. Um, there's also, uh, dependent upon the culture of the specific organization you're in. So if you're in an organization that has, uh, I think that the text gives some examples like, um, you know, power distance, for example. If you're in a Norwegian company, the culture there is likely one where, you know, people are treated very much as equals. So the hierarchy is not as stark. And in those contexts, servant leadership might work really well because people expect their leaders to treat them um, as equals. If you look at a context like Germany, for example, they would, might have a really hard time with servant leadership because they have very clear and more rigid understanding of power, right, and hierarchy. Um, the leader attributes I mentioned, um, you know, traits will certainly interact with your ability to be a servant leader. Um, if you have high levels of moral development, high levels of emotional intelligence, probably high levels of, um, you know, agreeableness, these are things that may help you be a servant leader, whereas if you tend to have... Um, you know, really high levels of dominance, for example, in your personality, being a servant leader could be really challenging for you, right? And then we talked about follower receptivity. Um, in terms of some of the leader behaviors, and this is from the, uh, the Leiden uh, and colleagues model, conceptualizing, emotional healing, and putting followers first. Um, these, are, these are the first three of the, of the behaviors listed. And like I said, they really go along similarly with some of the ones Greenleaf uh, listed. Conceptualizing is, again, um, understanding the organization, being to think, con- able to think conceptually about a vision for the organization, um, emotional healing, we talked about healing already, putting followers first, um, helping followers grow and succeed, behaving ethically. Now, one of the things about servant leadership is it definitely has this ethics component, uh, which you'll see again in authentic leadership. You'll see some of this when we talk about that um, chapter, but uh, more and more, in terms of more recent theories of leadership and, and that are being proposed, they include ethics and ethical component. Transformational leadership, you know, I told you, you know, one of the perspectives on that is in order to be transformational, you have to behave ethically. Um, you can be charismatic and not be transformational. And that would be like an example of like an Adolf Hitler or something like that. Uh, but in order to be considered transformational, you would need to be um, ethical. And the same thing with servant leadership. In order to be a servant leader, you have to behave ethically. Um, and then empowering, so allowing your followers the freedom to be independent, to make decisions on their own, pushing power down to your followers, letting them make decisions. And we talked about creating value for the community. So thinking about the community as a whole, convenient thinking about service to your larger uh, group of constituents, secondary stakeholders, you know, people who, who um, are related to the organization in some way or another, giving back. Um, outcomes, follower performance and growth. So one way to measure how effective the leader is, is always to see how effective is the follower, right? And in servant leadership, that is certainly the case. It may be the primary measure. If your followers are growing, if they're having impact, if, if they themselves can become a servant leader, 
then you would say, you know, maybe you've done your job as a, a servant leader. Uh, organizational performance, things like profitability, and then societal impact, right? Because again, because we're interested in community, you know, it's not just the organization, it's outside the organization. How is this organization, not just how are their numbers, you know, how are they looking financially, how do they look as a company, but what impact are they having on the broader community of the world around them? Um, so like I said, servant leadership is really different than some of the other leadership theories. Um, it really focuses on this altruism, putting followers first. Uh, and like I said, it acknowledges the fact that if followers are not receptive to this style, it's probably not going to be the most effective. Um, some strengths, like I said, I think uh, putting altruism in there is a, is a, a new and unique component to put in leadership. Um, I think, you know, it's important that it, it recognizes that servant leadership is not going to work in all, all situations. Um, you know, the downside, I think a lot of people dismiss servant leadership because it sounds somewhat, um, you know, fluffy or, you know, um, it's not taken as seriously. Um, the prescriptive kind of aspect of it suggests that good leaders put others first, which conflicts with sometimes other principles of leadership like directing um, you know, concern for task production. So how do you balance, you know, putting others first as your primary objective with this idea of, um, you know, having to be directive at times and, and, and having to be, um, achievement focused and telling people what to do. So it is kind of paradoxical and I think it can be difficult to conceptualize for some people.